Hello, Spotify and Anchor and Apple Podcasts and Breaker, and we're going through the whole list. Buckle up. I'm just kidding. Brought uh, to you by Raid Shadow Legends. No. <laughs> never, unless they offer, in which case, absolutely, give me cash. Uh, but, uh, yeah, welcome back to Tabletop Recap. I am your host, Hunt. We also have the big... Boy of a Chungus here today, Big Boy Chungus. Hello. Yeah, and uh, today we are reviewing Hollow's End. Uh, Hollow's End is a uh, independently written, like third-party Halloween one-shot for Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition. We worked it into our uh, descent into Avernus campaign, which is still ongoing, and we kind of just never reviewed it. Like, we did our recap, and we said it was fun, but we never, like, did a review of the whole, like, one-shot, uh, which is something that we have been wanting to do after uh, full playthroughs of published things. Uh, we didn't do it for the theocracy, because that was just something a friend wrote, so that was different, but... Uh, this was a very fun little, uh, adventure. I don't remember what website we got it from. It was like a British website. Yeah. I, I had to, when I paid with my card, I uh, had to run it through a, a converter system that changed it from USD to pounds. Paid in pounds. Uh, <laughs> this is, but yeah, so if you just search D&D 5th edition Hollows End, you'll, you'll get it. It's, uh. It's basically a Halloween... It's about a Halloween celebration that isn't Halloween. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's more like a fall festival kind of thing. There's fun and games, but there's also zombies, sort of. Yeah. Pumpkin zombies, <laughs> which I thought were pretty cool. Uh, so, give a... Give a ooh, you DM that You start this off for us, All bud, right. pal. So, um... For those of you who are there, when we started this one-off, we worked it into our Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus campaign where the players just took a break from the main storyline to enjoy the Hallow's End Fall Festival. And uh, it starts off with the players getting into a... Do you have the list of events oh, for oh, us yeah, and yeah. their times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like there's a fun table in it that tells so, you what each each part and how long it should take. Yeah, so the the session should last about three hours, with uh, starting with the arrival in which our adventurers make their way to Hollow's End. Uh, do you want me to include the times as well? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Uh, which should last about 15 minutes. Uh, the foreshadows, which is where... They players will familiarize themselves with the locals, the foreshadows being the local inn, which should last about 20 minutes. The festival itself, in which they enjoy a brief moment of relaxation, also 20 minutes. And then the gourd horde, in which some friends arrive, quote-unquote friends, mainly enemies, uh, again, 20 minutes long. Then you have the siege at the shadows, where the players and the other NPCs barricade themselves in the foreshadows in and hold off a horde of zombies or pumpkins as they are called and then a grave mistake in which a fun maze puzzle is undertaken by said party and then finally the right oh sorry the siege of the shadows is about an hour long and you'll understand why in a minute yeah it was a while <laughs> the grave mistake lasts about 20 minutes and then finally the reckoning in which the big bad evil guy is fought usually lasts about 35 minutes Overall, that adds to about three hours worth of fun. 
Yeah, it's a fun it's a fun PDF. Our party actually really enjoyed it, and they were like, sequel, sequel, sequel. <laughs> so there might have to be a squeakquel in the future. Alvin and the Chipmunks style. For sure. But, uh, so get into it. You were the one that, uh, that DM'd this outing. Uh, so I'll let you run on in. It's got some, oh, it's got some cool art. I want to say that. I really like the art of the pumpkin, which are like the Halloween zombie creatures. They're, they're jack-o'-lantern zombies. So they're like zombies with jack-o'-lanterns on their head. And there's vines coming out of the jack-o'-lanterns that like move the bodies. Yeah. Uh, P-U-M-P hyphen K-I-N. I thought it was a very cool name. Pumpkin. I love it. Pumpkin. All right, so the the session starts with the players receiving an invitation uh, to the Hallows End Festival. And as the DM, you can set this up however you want, either by chance or by intention. Uh, And the players um, are brought to the festival via a rickety pumpkin-shaped carriage um, with one other person inside. Um, Now... This person's name is Casper. Yeah, like the ghost. Oh, by the way, this podcast is probably mostly for DMs. I just thought I'd mention uh, this episode is more of a DM episode. If you want to play this, it's probably going to get spoiled for you. Yeah, spoilers ahead. Spoiler warning. You have been warned. Get on with it. Um, and he base uh, Casper is the go-to guide for the festivities. He's You, you can either stay with him if you want. Tell him to go away if you don't want him to. Uh, But he's just there to kind of help. Yeah, and he was actually very helpful for us because there's one section where the players are just supposed to play a bunch of festival games. And our players were like, no, we don't want to play any games and do stuff. And well, fine, then, Casper wants to play it. He and then wants it was like, prizes. Okay, well, Casper will do it, and then he'll get a prize. And then they'll be like, oh, there's prizes? We can get stuff? Okay, we're just greedy little goblin players. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, having Casper actively partake in stuff in front of them can motivate them to do the same just a just a fun tip yeah i always love using i don't like to give my players direct hints i like to have the world kind of direct them if needed so if they don't want to do something or don't know to do something i'll be more than happy to have an npc do something as an example like oh maybe you should give this a try or this is probably an easier thing to do like remember when we use slobber chops in the horde of zombies to like hey the zombies aren't uh, as dangerous at this moment. Yeah, and descent into Avernus. He, uh, I kind of miss having Slobber Chops around. He's still alive. It's just the player that he's with isn't around, so he isn't around. Yeah. And uh, it was you would always use him to give them hints that they would ignore. Uh, uh, but yeah, like Casper the same way, you know, if you're not comfortable doing something or if you don't know if it's worth doing, you know, look at Casper. If Casper's doing it, it's probably a good time. Um, and yes, he is... It's obviously a friendly ghost reference, of course. But uh, the first time you meet Casper, he literally says, and I'm quoting, Gee Willikers, I sure am excited for tonight. Imagine unironically saying Gee Willikers. Costumes, treats, parties, drinks. What's not to love about the Night of Wayward Souls? All right, leave it to Beaver. Which is an alternative name for Hallow's End. Yeah. Casper then eats candy from the bowl in the carriage. Now, each carriage has a party bowl of complimentary candies um, that everyone has access to. And the one thing that disappointed me about our session was no one wanted to eat as much candy as they could. No one had a single piece. They took some gumdrops from the gumdrop lady or whatever. 
they wouldn't touch the candy at all. So we we don't know how much fun that is because our players refused to take any of it. And there was no way that I could give a hint like, oh yeah, this is fun. It gives you, sometimes it gives you helpful perks. Sometimes it gives you a non-lethal, um, you know, what is the term? Uh, it, it gives you like a cool visual aid. Like, they were like, nah, we don't want to have fun, boy. <laughs> and then they, I was like... So they didn't. They chose not to do half the stuff and still loved it at the end, which should tell you how fun this is, honestly. <laughs> All right. So um, it is encouraged that the players, uh, whether that you're doing this as a one-off with throwaway characters or if you're including this in a larger campaign. It, have... it can easily fit into a larger campaign because we did it and it was so smooth and fits so perfectly. Ha but the, the module encourages your players to be in some kind of costume that isn't their everyday clothing. My Stan refused to do it because he's a prude. Yeah. Uh, but Corvus dressed up in, as we call it, scale face. He has to be my Stan. He got beat up. Uh, so if your players choose racist costumes, even if it's against fantasy races... Just beat him up. Just have him get beat up. Like and Quinevere, I think got the most. Quinevere, I think got the most props for this because she actually did wear a legitimate costume. She dressed up like a dragon queen. Yeah, pretty, pretty dragon, <laughs> pretty fairy dragon kind of um, thing going on. So the players, you know, they're role playing, talking to Casper, eating their candy, and then they arrive at the actual town where Hallow's End is being held, uh, and they are dropped off at the Foreshadows Inn where they greet. A stout human woman by the name of Mira. Now, Mira is the innkeeper, and she is kind of the hostess for the whole event. She typically doesn't venture outside the inn, but she greets all the new uh, party goers. She tells people little bits of story and information about how the holiday got started, and she she pretty much just keeps the ball rolling for everybody. Um. She tells the players when they first arrive, Greetings, one and all. Welcome to Hallow's End on this, the day of Wayward Souls. May I see your tickets? Thank you, thank you. Take a drink and head this way. Our Hallow's End story se or history session is about to start. Yeah. Uh, if your players don't want to sit through the history session, give them a reason to, because uh, it's very relevant. Very yes. relevant. This is uh, one of the things that I like about this uh, one-off is that it does not give you just exposition for the sake of having exposition like everything is so simple and so easy to swallow but if you miss it you will be lost every single bit of lore and world bending building in this has 100 percent a purpose within the story yeah and there's not a lot so if your players don't want to listen or don't care to listen it's on them uh, my recommendation would be the festivities don't start until the history lesson is over. So there's no one's no one's booths are open until it's over. So it's either sit there and do nothing or listen to it. And they'll probably pick listen to it unless they angie. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, exactly. And so Mira gets everybody a drink. So everyone gets a little beverage before they get started. And then she just tells them the story of Hallow's End. And uh, you want me to go through it real quick? Or do you just want me to, to summarize it? Uh, not the full thing. Give us a summary there with uh, the pumpkins and stuff. Yeah. So basically, a long time ago, the town where Hallow's End is celebrated was attacked by otherworldly forces, uh, or as they say, forces from beyond the grave. Um, and then they 
solve the problem by using a unique type of uh, jack-o'-lantern candles uh, to way, ward off the evil spirits. And so once a year they celebrate by putting out the candles and celebrating the safety of their, their holiday. Uh, it, it's just a day that, hey, the evil spirits are gone. Let's celebrating let's... the vanquishing of undead and yeah. evil spirits. And stuff. I can't talk. I'm a little. I'm still a little under the weather. Yeah, it's all um, good. Plus, it's been a while. But um, <laughs> we need to start doing these right after we play them. Well, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> um, oh yeah, and so yeah, it's just a big celebration they do once a year to celebrate the vanquishing of evil spirits. Uh, but as you guys were going through this earlier you noticed that a couple kids ran off with some jack-o'-lanterns yeah uh and i guess they kind of just don't believe the story which is very odd in a world where undead and demons and evil spirits are very provenly real but whatever (laughs) kids are dumb (laughs) i ain't afraid of no ghosts <laughs> so then the uh the festival and all of its festivities commence um and this is where the players are really supposed to take advantage of the games where they can actually earn prizes that they can use later in the story in fact uh with our descent into avernus campaign there's one item that has been extremely helpful with our party so far yeah the goblin puppet's been helpful and the balls of splashing have been helpful as well uh-huh uh so yeah like just to give examples of some games there's like one it's basically whack-a-mole but they don't have the technology for whack-a-mole so it's like a gnome uh with a (laughs) a goblin hand puppet and they put it up through holes and you hit the puppet and they say ouch every time because you're just hitting someone's hand yeah and if you win you get the puppet yay and it is a magical item that can uh cast fear on Small, Small children, children and animals. And animals. And, and the debandables. Ooh, you're rubbing off on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's one of my more favorite games. Uh, but there are several food and drink items. We'll start from the top here. So, for food and drink, there are chickens on a stick. Not chicken legs, not chicken thighs. Whole chickens on a stick. And it even says that... Uh, if you haven't eaten too much of this, you can use this as a simple bludgeoning weapon. <laughs> Big boy. This was the thing that my stand, my stand Balasar, ladies and gentlemen, as soon as he heard entire chicken on sticks, he thought, mmm, nom. I like to imagine them with their heads and feet still on them. <laughs> no, no crap. That's how I imagined them the entire time. I was like, they got the heads and feet. <laughs> then you have the toffee apples, which is a sweet, savory... Uh, dessert, but when you take a bite out of it, you are unable to speak for one minute because your mouth's full of sticky caramel. Just a fun little thing. Really inconsequential, you know. I think in our story, um, Casper bought Quinevere one because they were kind of like on a date and he took a a bite out of it and was like... Yeah, that's how we had reasoning for him to give them uh, tickets because his date bounced and he asked Quinevere out. They were best buds. <laughs> then we have Nathan Pinneedle's Candy Shop. And this is the one that made me mad because in addition to the free gumdrops, this guy's literally just giving out candy that can give you various buffs and debuffs. 
It more buffs awesome. than so than debuffs, but even still, just the random fun facts of it. Yeah, they were all like, "Do you want free candy?" And the party was like, "No." And he'd be like, "It's it's free candy on Hollow's Eve, a time for candy." And they were like, "No." no. <laughs> but at least they got the gumdrops, and the gumdrops also have various effects. They've never gotten a super positive one from <laughs> gumdrop because they just roll like crap. Yeah. Basically, every time they've had a gumdrop, they've actually given them to other people, and they've just been polymorphed into a orc or cobalt or something. <laughs> yeah, you roll for the effect for the for the gumdrop, but I think the candy's more specific. Like you know what you're getting more. Yeah. Um, After you've done it once, then you know like, oh, this next one is going to do that. But the gumdrops are more random. They're like a. They're more like Bernie bots, every flavored beans, if that's what they're called. I don't know. We uh, we can go over all the different effects at the end uh, once we get to the stat charts. Um, but for now, we'll just keep going with the activities. Yeah, good idea. Uh, so then, the first activity. Uh, well, sorry. After the whack a goblin, there's the bobbing for fruit activity. Where pretty classic fall festival activity gets gross if you don't change the water regularly, though. Who would? Um, it's face soup. But you don't just get regular fruit. You get magically charged fruit that has different abilities, much like the candy. And I think our parties actually use some of this fruit in their actual main campaign. I feel like it was something yellow. Lemon or banana or banana, something. I think. <laughs> yeah, it was something yellow. I just remember it was yellow. Uh, uh, then we have uh, Dunk the Dwarf. Specifically, the dwarf in question's name is Dunk, so it's not just the title of the uh, the activity. You've seen that episode of, uh, you've seen it, Gravity Falls, where <laughs> Grunkle Stan is just like <laughs> yelling at people and like, you can't duck me. Oh yeah, that's, that, that's, the, uh, the, that, that's the fun festival um, episode, I remember that. And then someone actually does duck and he's like, well crap. It's, it was kind of like that. That was kind of how you played it. It was very fun. Uh, <laughs> I actually just got done watching it, I think, after that point. Like, I had just recently gotten off of it. Yeah, I need to watch season two still. But anyways, uh, back to the stuff, to the things. Uh, and then there was the uh, the Wacka Goblin, as you said. And then there was a couple of shops where they could just buy miscellaneous and disposable magic items. None, none of these magic items did anything to enhance the player's skills it just gave them some fun little visual effects man if i had if i had been playing with it i would definitely have gotten the thing that makes your head turn invisible yes 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 there's one that makes your head turn invisible there's one that makes it look like you're covered in spiders yeah i was like head turn invisible that's better than any mask if dude if i'd been playing a rogue or something i would there's no way i could have passed up the invisible head <laughs> oh that now that i think about it, that would be a good tool for a criminal i know right it's like better than any ski mask when the sequel comes around i don't you know if it's in the same continuity with the same characters i doubt drizzik would want to be around but uh he'd be a rogue would be so it'd be so good to play a rogue in that just to get that (laughs) missing head good time good time so after the players have eaten or should have eaten as much candy as they want and uh, played all the games, uh, the Gord Horde shows, shows up, uh, which is suddenly the sky starts turning from a bright orange to a more purplish hue and some zombified pumpkin people show up. I love those. I, I think 
I just love Halloween-y creatures like that. You know I'm a big monster guy. You know, Universal Monsters and Cronenberg uh, and <laughs> all that stuff. That's all me. Yeah. Yeah, these definitely, it's definitely a case where the body itself is not animated, but it's the vines and the pumpkin that is controlling everything is. Yeah. It's a really unique looking monster. I love it. But uh, the party is attacked by a couple of regular pumpkins. And I say regular because we'll see some variants here in a minute. Um, and they're, they're not too difficult to deal with. Even with a horde of five, which I believe is what the, uh, let's see... Yeah, it's about five. Um, they're really easy to deal with. Their immunities and vulnerabilities are really easy to determine because they're undead plant creatures. Yeah, they're planty. And um, plus zombies are always a good starting enemy for players in general. Our group was all about the fire uh, in, in this one shot. <laughs> but yeah, the, the first batch isn't what's hard to beat. It's when you get into the... Uh, the bar, the tavern. Yeah, and so um, this is where we get into the siege at the Four Shadows. Now, it, it specifically says that uh, as soon as the players enter, the front door is slammed shut and a bolt is slid across. The room is now bustling with people. And the bar from the outside is just getting surrounded. Like, there's more gourd hordes out there. And the party has about five minutes to come up with a plan of reinforcing and defending itself so each player gets one job that they can take command of of their choosing you whether that's securing the non-combatants um in a certain part of the bar reinforcing the windows um preparing magical defenses whatever they have five minutes to do whatever they think would best help the situation and then after that, it is nothing but 10 rounds of pure combat. It, where, was, it was long. <laughs> it was pretty long. I think the one gripe that our players had with this was that this actually did run for very long. And the only reason why I didn't have it last shorter was because the books or this module specifically says that after 10 rounds. Yeah, that was that was really the only gripe our players had was that by the end of that, they were like, Ugh, we want to fight the boss. <laughs> so I, I might say, you know, maybe reduce it by to about seven or eight rounds. Don't necessarily go through all ten unless your party's just a glutton for combat. If you have a party that's real, real, real into combat, like that's probably totally fine is ten. Our party is more of a role play party. We only have one character that's like a heavy combat guy. Uh, but everyone else is much very much a role player. Indeed. And um, so with this siege, you also get a couple of variants with the pumpkins, uh, including plumpkins, which are basically um, boomers from Left 4 Dead. They are these bloated corpses with pumpkin heads and vines that will explode on players dealing uh Poison damage if they don't succeed on a constitution saving throw. Explody boys. You have jumpkins, which are basically pumpkins with unusually long, viney arms and allow them to close the gap between their prey faster. They have long jump and grapple abilities. 
And then you have munchkins, which are not a single pumpkin, but rather a group of five or more pumpkin heads, basically, that just jump around, chatter, and try to bite things. And as long as you're able to kill the majority of them, you can pretty much defeat the enemy. Like a single pumpkin on their own, you can just punt at a wall and it will be dead. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's a nice little variety with the enemies. Good time. And once the players, either the players die or they succeed in holding off the siege. And after this uh, begins our next part, the grave mistake. So as the final pumpkin falls to the ground, an eerie silence falls over the four shadows. Slowly, people move out of the corners of the room and return from upstairs. A few people start tossing the vine-wrapped bodies outdoors. People start talking more and more, discussing the tale of the lanterns and wondering whose lanterns was not out at midnight. Sheepishly, some children come forward and say that they took the lanterns from the front of the tavern. Silence falls again as the truth of the situation becomes clear to everyone. The tale is real and an evil force is out for revenge. So, going back, you know, it's, well, it's very important to pay attention during that initial exposit of lore. Uh, again, so yeah, if, if you, you can honestly, the players could even try to stop the kids, but <laughs> you know, um, why would you? You want to fight the boss, right? This is the whole point. <laughs> yeah. So Mira uh, encourages the uh, protagonists, the parties, the players to solve their problem by vanquishing the evil causing their plight, and in order to do this, uh, she tells them that the source of it is most likely going to be from the nearby cemetery. And she, this is confirmed by the players heading that way. And they see this massive spiral of purple smoke entering the sky from that direction. Um, But Mira tells them that uh, the fastest way to the cemetery is through a hedge maze that has been grown to celebrate this festival. And it's got pumpkins in it. They can fight. And if they take wrong turns, they have to fight even more pumpkins. But uh, our players were just like, let's burn it down. <laughs> and I figured, you know, it's made of grass. The enemies are we plant-based. Fire, yeah. And we spent a ton of time in that siege. So I it just said... It was a good call. It was a good call, so you gave it to them. And, you know, fair is fair. Smart's smart, you know? In, uh, in some famous rap song, or in the famous words of some rap song, I'm sure, let's burn this thing down. Oh, yeah. So I can't... God, that was cringy, dude. I can't, so we can't really speak to the maze because they just burned it down. But uh, yeah, that was the part that we didn't personally get to experience. But if you look at a map of the maze, it's a pretty simple maze. It's only got four wrong turns and it's all just... It's so simple. Yeah, but like they can't look at the map, which is what makes it... Uh, you know, a bit more difficult. You probably got like a 50-50 shot on really taking any wrong turns. It's it's very simple. They just need to think before they turn. And most mazes have a... Most mazes can all be solved the same way. So, it's, it's fine. Even if you took all the enemies out, they would have gotten through it in about two minutes. So, the enemies are just there for padding. Not, not two minutes exactly. It's a bit, high, bit of hyperbole, but just quickly, you know. 
So once the players make their way through the maze, they then encounter our final act, act the reckoning. So before you is a normal looking graveyard, a few paper craft ghosts and some lit jack-o'-lanterns decorate the area. What's less normal is the enormous swirling vortex of mist and cloud that comes to point in the center of the graveyard. As you watch, a being starts to materialize amongst the orange and purple fog. The being takes the form of a pumpkin, but not just any pumpkin. He is wearing a ragged suit, and atop his head is a worn top hat. A booming voice echoes throughout the graveyard, eyes glow bright with every word. Good evening, my name is Jack. Yeah, so it's just are Jack... You, are you waiting on me to say something? I'm no, sorry. No, it's just Jack Skellington in his pumpkin form. Pretty much. Uh, Jack is a pretty common Halloween-y name, all things considered. Uh, but yeah, I thought he was cool. He's absolutely the type of villain I would write, to be completely... I really like just charming villains who are also creepy looking. Yeah, that's very my style. Uh... <laughs> So Jack's story is that he was basically a necromancer before Hallow's End was even a holiday. And he performed a ritual to try and gain eternal life, but he basically wound up binding his soul to the town. Um, the veil between the material plane and the astral plane is thin here, and on each night of the year, or sorry, on this night each year, he can pass through it without any issue. So he basically just wants to come back and terrorize people once a year. Um, he has the ability to raise the dead, but not on any other night where this veil between the different planes is thin. Um, the lantern lights uh, and people's faith do keep him out of the village. Uh, and his main goal is that he wants to return to the living world, but if he can't, then they'll just have to bring people back to the dead world with him. Yeah, and that's neither of those is okay. So yeah, you gotta fight. He's kind of tough, but I feel like it was actually pretty balanced for our party at the time. What level is oh, this for? Do you remember what tier this is? I think it's like one, two. I'll, I'll check because I, I don't remember. You're the one with uh, the PDF uh, in front of you. This is an adventure. Two to five players will visit a Halloween theme for levels one through seven. That's about what I figured, yeah. So it's it wasn't too terribly difficult. I think our party was like level four, level five, somewhere around there. Maybe level some, three. Some, something like that. It, it no, was, we started level three with we started Baldur's Gate. I want to say we were at level four. It was between, I think we played this between the Dungeon of the Dead Three and the Banthapore Manor. We did, we did. Yeah. So that would have been around level four. Yeah, having it on the out... You can just have it on the outskirts of a whatever city you're playing in or if you're in a small town, you know. We just had it on the outskirts of Baldur's Gate or whatever. But Jack has a unique list of abilities, including some legendary actions. Um, he has a cane and some rather nasty, gnarly... Uh, pumpkin claws i guess if you want to call them they're called grasping hands that uh deals necrotic damage uh and he can make two attacks with these uh as he sees fit 
Um, his legendary actions include a Shroud of Darkness, which is just magical darkness that obscures the vision. A Pump Spring, in, once, in which he can resurrect two pumpkins to life of any kind. And then Pump King, which Jack can convert a pumpkin inside into a special pumpkin of his choosing. So not too terrible. He's even listed as a challenge rating four, so it was a pretty balanced fight uh, with a rather unique uh, dandy man flair to it. Yeah, and of course, after uh, the party defeats him, there will be even more reason to celebrate. Uh, our party got rewarded at the end with some lifetime passes. And uh, they, I think they had, like free drinks for the night or something. I think they already had free drinks for the night because they bought the big fancy oh, passes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah like, <laughs> they bought the fancy passes that meant they got stuff for free and then they wouldn't take anything. It was like, why did you buy the passes to get free stuff? If you weren't going to take any of it, you spent more on those passes. Uh, it's whatever. But it was a very fun one-shot. It can be super, super easily worked into your ongoing campaign if you want uh, a Halloween or Day of the Dead type special. Uh, you could probably play it anytime, honestly, because if you have... People who are really into D&D, they're probably already really into monsters and spooky stuff and spirits, you know? Yeah. Uh, so you could probably play it anytime, but it'll have the most impact on Halloween since it is obviously a mirror of that real-world holiday. Uh, it's got cool art. It's very cheap. What was it, like three bucks USD or something? Yeah, it was pretty inexpensive. It was like five bucks. or No way it was more than five bucks. It, it was, was definitely again. worth my money, I'll say that. Whoever, yeah. For the people who made this campaign... Top notch job. Our our group loved it. They still want a sequel. Uh, <laughs> They're not paying us to say this, by the way. This is our general, our genuine opinion. No, but if anyone does want to pay us to say nice things about our thing, uh, just tell us. We'll have to disclose it. But yeah, <laughs> just send us the adventures and we'll play them eventually. Uh, but that is that is uh, it for our review of Hollows. End. Uh, so you can definitely check that out and get it for digital download. Uh, I I had been seeing, when Halloween was coming up, I'd actually been seeing ads for it. And then KeoCat apparently also saw an ad for it and was like, let's play this. So I think she's the main reason we played it, actually. Uh, but it was, it was very fun. Very, very fun. And since they give you lifetime passes at the end, it kind of gives you an excuse to go back if your players really like it. Or, if not, then they kind of get stiffed. <laughs> but I actually do kind of recommend putting it into an ongoing campaign so that those passes can maybe eventually be used. Because if it's not in an ongoing campaign and you just play it as a one-shot, those passes will go unused. Just, they will. Uh, it is very, very fun. It's very creative. Very Halloween. Uh, and that's really all we have to say. Uh, I know it was supposed to be an episode of Karen's campaign for <laughs> today, but, uh, we ended up having to do this. That, that session had to be postponed, but we are going to do it next time, more than likely. So yep. that's it. Thank you all once again for your support. Remember to, uh, you know, give us some good ratings and stuff. And there's also... Links in the description, or you can check out eBay for our merch, and you can check us out on Patreon and all kinds of other fun things. Facebook, our YouTube channel, where we do lots of gaming unboxings and videos and stuff. Uh, 
And that's it. Thank you all once again for your support, and we'll see you all next time. Ooh.